0: Welcome to the Veranda Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm Christine Mills. On the Veranda Entrepreneur Podcast, I feature entrepreneurs while I discuss ways you can grow your business today. Step onto the Veranda, get a cup of tea, get comfortable, and let's talk shop. Let's do this. Welcome to the Veranda Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm Christine Mills. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Carly Morgan, CEO and founder of Shalom. Shalom's mission is to elevate the smartwatch experience by integrating the finest craftsmanship and highest quality materials with visionary design to make the everyday more extraordinary. Designed in Bel Air and handcrafted in France, Shalom straps feature high-quality, precious materials that are ethically, sustainably, and reasonably sourced. Welcome
1: to the show, Carly. Thank you so much for having me. It's so nice to be talking with you. Same here. I'm so excited about hearing about your brand.
0: I love everything that you sell, it's amazing. And you oh, know, I thank just, you. <laughs> yeah, I just love to hear more about it and how you came up with this concept. But before we begin, I always like to start with the beginning. What were you like as a child, Carly? Oh
1: my gosh, I was. Super artistic. I have never met a craft I didn't like. I was always trying new things. Um, You know, I did drawing and painting. But one of my um, early entrepreneur um, efforts was creating um, hair clips. So I did that, you know, for fun. And then I would sell them. Um, And, yeah, anything, like, crafty. I I was just drawn to anything artistic and crafty.
0: Did you, were you uh, introduced to
1: craftiness? Like, were your parents very artistic? No, they weren't at all. Um, I think it was just something that I was drawn to, and Mm -hmm. they encouraged encouraged it. Um, Like, I think any good parent should, right? If your child takes an interest in something, you know, you should, um, you know, try to foster that. So That's they awesome. definitely, yeah, they definitely did that. And um, you know, I bounced around from you know different kinds of things. Um, you know, I'm I'm a little older, so rhinestones were like a really big thing back there then. And I used to bedazzle like everything I owned, oh, my and gosh. I would make like you know T-shirts with puffy paint and rhinestones, and um, yeah, I mean it was it was like never ending.
0: I remember that. I remember the rhinestones in the 80s. Um, Goldbergs Mm -hmm. have, I don't know if you've ever seen the the show Goldbergs. Oh, totally. Yeah. (laughs) And and then the mother is like always like bedazzling everything. And it just brings up so many memories.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, that was me. I was, I was putting rhinestones on anything that they would stick to. Now, did you grow up in California? Like which, where did you grow up? Yeah, I grew up in LA. I am a native. I'm a proud Los Angelino native. Oh, wow. um, so Yeah, I was born and raised, and um, I did a little bit of a stint on the East Coast for a while. Um, I went to school in Philadelphia, and then after I graduated, I moved to New York, and I was there for about six years. So, um, you know, I and I loved it. Um, New York is fabulous. It's like my second home. I feel very energized and comfortable when I'm over there. And, um, but I kind of, things, things happened. Um, I was there for 9-11 and, oh. um, and I was there by myself. I didn't have any family out there. So I kind of was feeling like, you know, it might be time to go home. So yeah. I think it was, yeah. So shortly thereafter, I moved back to LA and um, it was, you know, the right decision for me at the time. And I never looked back. I'm really glad that I, I moved back home and I get to visit New York and I go there often for business. So, you know, I kind of, I get a little taste of it, you know, maybe a few times a year and that works out. Yeah.
0: New York is one of my favorite places to be as well. I, I started off life in New York and, um, well, after college. And mm-hmm. I still look back at that time as very, like one of the best times of my life. I just love the city. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's amazing. Yeah. And I still, when I go back, I'm like, it's, still, it's such a magical place to be.
1: Yeah, I mean, I highly recommend it. Anybody who, you know, is able to to spend some time there after college, um, it's such a great place to be young um, and just sort of starting out your career. I learned so much from the companies that I worked there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's actually like how I, that, that was sort of like my first career was working in advertising. So I did the okay. whole like Madison Avenue thing. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, working for, like, agencies like um, BBDO and McCann Erickson. Um, L'Oreal was, like, my very first client that I ever had. And it was just, like, a great way to learn about the business. Um, I was in account management. So it was huge, just, like, learning client service. Um, And that has, you know, influenced me throughout my entire career. And even now, like, you know, when it comes to customer service, like, that's super important to me. And that, I think, kind of, like, harkens back to those, like, client service days.
0: Yeah. It's amazing what you pick up in life and how, like, you kind of tucked it away somewhere else, like, in a file and then in a different part of your life. You're like, oh, I could use that. You know, it's, like, part of your tool. Uh-huh. And you're right. Like, yeah. You know, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But also, I think it becomes, it sort of, like, becomes ingrained in you in a way because you have that yeah. sort of, like, Basis, and you're like, oh, okay, I understand this, and I get this, and there's sort of an art to it, and mm-hmm. you know, you want to deliver that like excellent customer service, um, regardless of whether you know it's a, a service business or a product business, and right. um, you know, it's it's something that really stuck with me, and um, you know, we we strive for that to have you know the best customer service you know we can, um, you know, sometimes it's it's more challenging than others, but. You know, we yeah. try our best and you know I want to make our customers as happy as they can be. Yeah. Well, we know that
0: you know you, you started off your entrepreneur journey with um you said hair clips, right? Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, tell me it, you know, about it's, these hair clips. So funny. I you know what, I never even like thought about it till now and I I need to incorporate that into my bio that I'm not a new entrepreneur like I I was one way back when when I was 10 um you know it was again it was the 80s right so big bows were kind of popular and I think I was making these hair clips with like these big bows with rhinestones on them (laughs) (laughs) just to close that loop um yeah and I used to sell them to my friends oh my gosh yeah, so that was
0: a thing. <laughs> so it was a full circle moment. <laughs> yeah, so, for right. sure. So
1: how did you go about starting Shalom? What inspired you to start Shalom? Um, so basically, I was taking a break from corporate life. Um, most recently, I'd worked in entertainment marketing um, when I came back to L.A., and um, I think it was just getting kind of burnt out, and I had my daughter and she was in the daycare at one of the studios, and I was just not with her because I was working crazy hours, and I wasn't spending very much time, and it was just, it was getting really, it was just getting too much. Um, I think it's just, I know a lot of working moms have the same experience, like it's just you don't know how to get the balance in your life, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, it was, just, it was incredibly hard having, I mean, you know, a baby and, you know, working a 10-hour day. So um, fortunately, you know, I had conversations with my husband and, you know, we agreed that, you know, I should take a break. And um, it was exactly what I needed. You know, I was able to kind of refocus, reset and figure out what the next chapter of my life would be. And I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur, um, I guess because it was deep, deeply ingrained, um, from my t- early childhood, apparently. Um, and then I, it was just a matter of figuring out what the concept was, what the idea was. And it happened totally, you know, happenstance, like organically, I was shopping for my first Apple watch and I was kind of surprised that the bands were not great quality and not very attractive. So I started looking online and I'm like, wait a minute, where are all the good bands? I don't understand this. How could this not be a thing? So um, I, you know, because of sort of my creative background and that's how my mind works, I had all of these ideas and concepts and I was like, wait a minute, this could be a real business. So um, we decided to just, you know, make it happen. And um, the first huge challenge was finding a partner to manufacture and I wanted to, you know, either, I wanted to do it in the U.S. or, or in Europe because that's sort of where the, I think, you know, the, the history, the craftsmen people are, right? Right. have this like, you know, um, the, the craftsmanship that's sort of ingrained in these cultures. And I found a manufacturer in France and they were incredibly enthusiastic and open to all of my crazy ideas. Um, they have a very much a spirit of innovation. So it was sort of a good a good matchup. And um they just their quality and craftsmanship is amazing. Um it's second to none. Um they manufacture uh, or they've been doing it for I think sixty five years I wanna say, manufacturing oh, wow. watch watch bands and small leather goods. Okay. Um and you know, they create, you know, I think they white label um bands for some some of the big, big mechanical watch players. So um, you know they were absolutely able to deliver the quality I was looking for because that was so important to me that the quality is just you know the best it could be in terms right. of the mater- in terms of the materials but also the craftsmanship. So um, so yeah so that's kind of how how everything came to be.
0: That that's very amazing like how you saw the needs and you also saw the fact that there is a market for it, because surely you're not the only one who wants a good quality wristband to go with your watch, that you spent a lot of money for like, um mm-hmm. You're expecting a certain level of quality, so um, that's really good that you're, and you're also in a niche market. Did you, yes. like, how long was that process for you between, I, I, w- I want a really good quality watch to when you are able to, like, find a manufacturer and you're selling your product?
1: Um, I think that piece of it was about, like, two years, something around yeah. there. Um, it took a while to find a manufacturing partner. Um, you know, like I said, I, I, I wanted to stay in the U.S. Um, I definitely didn't want to, like, go to Asia. I knew that um you know cuz i i didn't want to be in that sort of competitive environment on amazon with right. like all the really like cheap stuff um that's mass manufactured all right. of my stuff is really it's all small batch like human hands touch all of it um you know some of it is like some of it's machine stitching but like it's so much handwork um especially with the jewelry pieces so mm-hmm. Um, You know, I tried, there was a company, I think, in in uh, in the U.S. that I tried, and they just, there was a couple of them, actually, and they just couldn't deliver what I wanted. They just couldn't, they couldn't make it. Um, I know it seems like such a simple item, you know, just seems like, oh, it's just a piece of leather, right, a watch band, but it's really not. It's really, it's really actually, like, quite complicated to make. Um, and, you know, there's definitely an art to it and a a craft, a craft to it. Um, so yeah, so, um, I think it just took a little while to find that right partner. Um, but it was, you know, a good experience. I think that I had sort of the mishits or the missteps as any entrepreneur will tell you, it's like almost crucial to have those, those things happen in order for you to learn and move forward.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. So once you find found the manufacturer, um and you're like, Okay, I found the manufacturer, what was next for you? Um and how re- well did you have like a set goal of when your watch will hit the market and did you, what kind of expectations did you have? Did you like kinda test of the market? Or did you say this is gonna be my full time job, I'm in it?
1: <laughs> yeah. Um I honestly, having been, um, you know, in marketing, I knew how much research costs and I, I knew it was just not really affordable, um, to do it right. So it was a lot more like word of mouth, like, hey, what do you think about this? And, you know, talking to people about it, um, to sort of like validate the concept. But I knew in my heart that if I, myself as a consumer, saw, like, a void in the marketplace that other women must feel that same way. So I kind of used my gut, um, really my gut on it, and, and you know, decided to just do it. Um, and I, I did have all of these designs and ideas and, um, again, looking around, you know, doing that deep dive into competitive research and seeing what really was out there and, and identifying that void. Right.
0: And how did you get your first customer? What was that like to get your first customers outside of, like, (laughs) friends and family?
1: Um, That is a great question. I have no idea how I got my first customer, but she came, and um, it was sort of, like, a great aha moment, Um, and then we started realizing, like, hey, people are finding us this is, we have proof of concept. People are buying it. They're happy with the product. I mean, that's the thing that, you know, I love the most or maybe number two love um, is when we get a great review or, you know, we have a positive um, conversation with a customer. Um, You know, that's the kind of feedback that I value more than anything. So, um, and reviews are so hard. It's so funny. Like, yeah, I we we have to, like, beg people for them, and, and we don't always get them. Um, But, you know, most of them have been incredibly – well, not most of them. I think all of them have been positive. So that makes me feel great. It makes me realize, like, okay, you know, this product is living up to people's expectations.
0: Yeah, yeah. And especially if you're in for the long haul, you know, it's like I, I find that people are quicker to do a negative review been a positive review. It's like, they love a product. And they're mm. like, oh, this is great. And, but when they're really upset, they're like, let me put a review in. And you're like, please mm-hmm. so the other way is full.
1: Yeah. But I mean, I think when customers have issues, like I, I, you know, I always say like, reach out, like talk to the company. I mean, don't read our policies. Don't read our this or that, you know, just, you know, reach out and talk to us because I'm all about working with my team to figure out solutions. You know, once in a while there's a problem, something happens, like, we will make it right. Like, absolutely. Um, That's a commitment that we have um, as a company. So before you write the nasty review, reach out, you know, reach out to us, reach out to the company, like, in general, right? See what they say about it. And then you'll learn what their attitude is towards their customers and and service when, you know, depending on what kind of response you get. Right. And what challenges have you
0: faced um, starting your business and even now um, with COVID, the pandemic, you know, um, what challenges have you faced and are currently facing being an entrepreneur right now?
1: Um, Yeah, I mean, COVID, obviously, COVID was – crazy and very tough i think for everybody um, but it kind of given where i was sort of in the in the life cycle of my business it was kind of like a good thing for me in a way because i was able to take the time to really focus on branding and marketing and you know the image and the the storytelling um you know figuring out what we really wanted to say as a company so it was a good time for us in that respect. I mean, obviously for sales, it was not. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, you know, because we're sort of tethered to the Apple watch and that I think became even more popular during the pandemic. Um, you know, people were focusing more on, on fitness, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, exercising from home and tracking, you know, tracking steps and everything on your, on your watch. Um, and then also the great like medical tech that they've introduced in terms of like monitoring your heart rate and you know, it'll call nine one one if you fall down and all these like really amazing features that that the watch has has really kind of I think broadened the customer base for for the tech. So we actually um you know, saw a spike in January in sales because I think everybody, you know, got the watch or gave the watch for Christmas or the holidays. And then in January, everybody was like, well, wait a minute. We need better bands. Um, so that was like an interesting, um, uh, seasonality that I hadn't really expected. Um, but it was great to see this year that people were kind of back out and, and spending and being consumers again uh, after having, like, hunkered down for so long. Mm-hmm.
0: What are you most proud of at this point um, as an entrepreneur as well as your business, Shalom? Um,
1: I mean, I'm, I am I kind of touched on it. I mean, I, I, I'm so proud when I get these positive reviews. You know, having the product out in the world and people enjoying it and wearing it, um, that's – I'm so proud of that. I mean, obviously, you know we're building a company, and it's something that you know in general, I'm proud of um but yeah there there's nothing like when somebody's like, "Oh my god, I love this, I love this product that that mm-hmm. makes me feel incredibly good,
0: so in regards to sales, do you find that you are getting most of your sales from e commerce trade shows? How do you approach it to increase yeah? Your
1: Well, right now we're 100% e-commerce. I'm trying to expand a little bit into other digital marketplaces, but just really slowly. I really – my business plan was all about e-commerce and trying to focus on that. I mean, obviously, brick-and-mortar had a really rough go of it the past couple years, and I just – I love the idea of e-commerce because there's so many SAS tools and, and things that you can use to help a small business grow, Mm-hmm. And um, it's, yeah, I just, I really want to be able to make that a success story before really broadening out um, beyond digital. Right. And
0: I find that a lot of e commerce businesses, they use uh, influencers a lot. Do you find that to be mm-hmm. helpful at all?
1: Yeah. I mean, I've only sort of, I'm in early days of working with influencers. Um, I know that everybody says that it's important and i believe that it is um to have people sort of you know as brand ambassadors and advocating for your product to their audiences um i know it's a it's a the landscape has changed and it's hard to figure out sort of like who's legit and who's not so mm-hmm. i think that's something that anybody in this area should make sure to do the research and really know uh, who you're working with, getting a sense of not just their reach and their numbers, but, like, their engagement and, you know, how active is their community and, you know, are they really looking to this person and are they real people, real followers, first of all, and, are, you know, not do sure. <laughs> they really, right? I mean, do they really respect and and appreciate what this influencer is, you know, coming to the table with?
0: Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, people could buy followers. I mean, it's changed so much. Um, just mm-hmm. to make sure that you're using someone who is legitimately an influencer and they can convert that to sales.
1: Exactly, and yeah. somebody who and somebody who aligns, I think, with your values.
0: Um, right. You know
1: that that looks and feels like like your brand, and you know you're basically putting your brand in somebody else's hands, right? And this is something that, you know, you've spent so much time and energy and money developing that you want to make sure that all of your partners are on the same page and working towards the same goal. Right. And, you know, what surprised you the most about entrepreneurship of
0: building your brand, building your business?
1: Um, I guess it's just, it's learning about all the things that, you didn't know about, right? You know, I yeah. mean, I, I'm i more of a creative person and I had to learn accounting and all of these <laughs> kinds of things. Um, so that always surprises me. I'm like, oh, I have to do that. And that's interesting. <laughs> um, you know, and I'm like, oh, sales tax. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just, you yeah, all the little details of running a business. Um, you know, I think I, I have the big picture stuff, but, you know, I have to go outside of my comfort zone all of the time, and, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, you have to wear all hats, whether you yeah. like them or not, you know, you'll get you'll get a little bit of taste of everything, and I think it's also knowing, knowing what you're really good at and what you're not so good at so that you can mm-hmm. raise your hand and ask for some help on the things that you're not so good at rather than just sort of like stumbling around in the dark, which um I know it's super easy to to do that. <laughs> yeah. But but yeah, it's like knowing knowing when to ask for help and to get, you know, the right personnel on board to help you with certain areas that you don't have expertise in or um, you know, you just, you know, you can't you can't like do everything yourself even though I try.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean that That is so important because it's like you might be a very good artists or very good at you know numbers or whatever it is in your business, but there are whole, so many other facets to it that you also have to manage and mm-hmm. um the sooner you can figure out how to hire all those people, the easier it is for you
1: mhm, absolutely yeah. yeah i mean the team the team that you work with is everything um, yeah you know just having having competent people who you can trust. Who you know are are working for the benefit of your business, like that's it's huge, and yeah. I think it's, it's a, I think it's a challenge that any business has, right, big or mm-hmm. small. Now, what does your team
0: consist of? Um, I have a
1: bunch of I have a bunch of different people working on different things. Um, you know, uh, social media, publicity. Um you know marketing, creative graphic design, um video because obviously video is huge right now,' so video editing um so it's a lot of the marketing and like creative people um and then you know I have um, an agency helping me with digital media um and then obviously my manufacturer in France, so you know there's there's quite a few people working on on this uh on this project. So
0: if, and we're coming up to the end of the interview, but, you know, so many times, you know, there's a growing trend of entrepreneurship in our country. And, um, you know, there's a thing of solopreneur, solopreneur. And Mm. I think that sometimes it could be deceiving because people are like, I could do it all and not have a team. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. So if, if someone's listening right now and they're like, you know, they're on that solopreneur track, and they're afraid uh-huh. to, like, you know, hire different people to help them. Well, I mean, just listening to you, it really shows evidence that you need a team. You really do to make sure it's seamless, it's flawless, it can grow because it's just yes. really hard to touch all these moving parts and make it successful. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, look. I am one person. You know, if you're truly a solo entrepreneur, you're one person. And there are limitations to what any one person can do, regardless of how spectacular and brilliant you are. So, um, you know, if you want your company to scale and you really want it to be hugely successful, I think you have to have other people. I, I really don't see how you could do it all yourself, even working 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Mm-hmm. yeah I mean I in terms of my business I certainly couldn't do it and I do work all the time yeah I mean everybody Perfect. I work with I I work I mean I, I pretty much work every weekend and I'm like I I warn everybody who comes on board I'm like just because I work the weekends doesn't mean you have to like you don't have to yeah. respond like if I shoot you an email on a Saturday like enjoy your weekend this is my choice and I don't expect anybody to do that
0: Oh, that's really nice of you, because some managers or bosses are like, "You did not respond to me well <laughs> so- yeah. yeah. yeah,
1: I would never do that
0: yeah i mean
1: i was I was in the you know I was in the trenches for too many years, so it was yeah. a good good lesson in in what not to do and how how not to manage,
0: yeah, what advice would you give to other individuals? who are listening and they're like, well, I'd love to open my own shop of, you know, widgets or, Mm -hmm. you know, what would you say to them? And they're interested in entrepreneurship, but they're a little hesitant.
1: Um, I would say to them just be sure that, you know, if you have a great idea and you're convinced of it and you have some inkling that it's a great idea, just do it. Just dive in and do it but know that you have to be in it for the long haul. Like Rome wasn't built in a day. Success does not come in a year. You know, you have to look at like a five to 10 year outlook. And so you really have to have like grit, right? That's sort of a a buzzword these days is you have to be resilient and stick with it. Um, You'll have your ups and downs. Um, You know, you're going to hear a lot of no's, no, no, no. Um, But, you just have to persevere and keep, keep with it because eventually the yes will come and um, you have to be ready for it. Just, you can't let it, you know, can't let anything knock you down.
0: Yeah. And what's next for Shalom? What can
1: we look forward to? Um, Well, I'm working on my next collection, um, which is going to be super fun. Um, I, And I'm trying to introduce more, like, pastel colors and some new designs and just sort of broaden out the collection a bit. So I'm excited for that.
0: That's exciting. I love pastels. Mm
1: -hmm. And how can listeners learn more about Shalon? So you can go to our website, and it's um, shalon.com, C-H-A-L-O-N-N-E. And our Instagram is shalon.la.com. Um, and I think we're on all the other social media too. So you can find us. Um, yeah. Okay. And now we're
0: entering the rapid fire questions. And this is where people get to know a little bit more about you and their fun. Like find the questions that, you know, um, will let us know, like, what are your favorite things? Okay. Are you ready? Okay. <laughs>
1: yes i'm nervous
0: (laughs) all right favorite city oh
1: okay
0: la la okay um ice cream
1: or cake oh ice cream for sure okay favorite book um the night circus uh okay uh what's
0: your favorite vacation hawaii and if you can spend an afternoon on a veranda with anyone living or deceased, who would it be?
1: Oh my God. That's so hard. Um, <laughs> you know, I think it would be Eleanor Lambert. Um, yeah. She seems like a pretty amazing woman that I would love to have a coffee with. Okay. Eleanor Lambert. I Who's that? So she- she uh, she she um founded she founded moma and oh okay uh, she, yeah so she was she's sort of like i she's kind of like a kindred spirit for me so she has this artistic interest and also fashion so she helped found moma and um the cfda and i'm pretty sure new york fashion week too um, so she was all about, like, celebrating and supporting designers, fashion designers are, as artists, and helping them to kind of showcase their their efforts. Um, oh, nice. So, yeah. So, and it would be amazing, but, you know, I think she's, yeah, I'm pretty sure she's passed, but that's who I'd pick. That
0: would be amazing. And if you did spend the afternoon with her, you could show her your watches and that would be yeah. even more serratifical <laughs> <Yes.
1: laughs> it was great meeting you Carly uh,
0: anything else you'd like to add about Shalom
1: before we go um, no this has been really nice thank you so much for the opportunity to share my story and it was lovely chatting with you